Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today we're going to be looking at things that you may not know about the Ten Commandments. That's right. We're going to be looking at the laws God gave to Moses on Sinai and explain why Catholic lists are different than Protestant lists, what the Ten Commandments look like, where they are now, and so much more. Let's face it, this episode is going to be a 10 out of 10. Let's explore the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue. We've been doing this for five years, and we haven't done a show on the Ten Commandments. So, well, I mean, Moses we went just in the desert over for the Old years. Testament pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Moses. Was in the yeah, desert. I mean, he was cruising around the desert for a while before he got the Ten Commandments. So let's not be too hard on ourselves. All right. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Coming out of the desert. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the Ten Commandments. It's so fundamental to mm-hmm. to the faith of you know Judeo Christian culture. I mean, it is the basis for all the laws and all the things that we view as religion. Yeah, the Torah, the yeah. Decalogue, the the ten, you know, laws that govern humanity into a sense of love. It's yeah. like the blueprint of how we ought to treat one another and how to love God. And it's one of the few <clears throat> things that was was given to us, like literally supernaturally given to us uh, from God. The Catechism of the Catholic Church affirms the greatness of the Decalogue and its demonstration of the natural law that is rooted within the human heart. The Catechism goes on to say in 2033, the deposit of Christian moral teaching has been handed on alongside the creed and the Our Father. The basis for this catechesis has traditionally been the Decalogue. This is the Ten Commandments, which sets out the principles of moral life valid for all men and women. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. I think it's interesting, the word Decalogue. It comes from Greek for the ten words. Deca, logos. Ten yeah. and logos, words. Yeah, the ten words that God gave mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. And when you think of the word incarnate mm-hmm. yeah. and who Jesus is, Jesus is the fulfillment yeah. of the Torah. He is the fulfillment of the law. So, you know, the sense of, you know, what these laws uphold and and how Jesus is the fulfillment, we realize in our own limitations, and we're going to get into this a little bit later in the show, but, you know, when we evaluate our sinfulness, we kind of evaluate our sinfulness based on these 10 commandments and realizing our infractions and realizing how dependent we are on Jesus, we have hope in him and only in him. Yeah. So where do the Ten Commandments come from, right? You know, I'm sure most people at least have some concept of this, even from the Charlton Heston movie. But it might have been a little bit since you watched that, and that probably doesn't nail the biblical time down down directly. And I'm right? sure there's young people out there like Charles and what, who? Charles, uh, Charles Heston? Who? I don't know. Is he a TikTok? Charlie Murphy? Is he a YouTuber? Is, YouTuber. He, a, <laughs> is he an influencer? <laughs> uh, so, you know... Israel is in the desert. You know, they're fleeing Egypt. And uh, this comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 19. This is after the captivity. This is is when they've been led dry shod through the Red Sea, the children of Israel. And and now they've been wandering in the desert. And we we find this in the Old Testament. Yeah. And and they basically, they've made a camp. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, they got out of this dangerous way. They're in the desert now. Now what? Now what do we do, right? Mm -hmm. Eat some manna. He's a man. I don't know. I mean, we didn't some water from a rock. I don't know. I didn't think we'd make it this far. I didn't mm-hmm. really have a plan, right? <laughs> so they're making base at the that the, they're making a camp at the base of Mount Sinai, 
and you know, crazy things start happening. Yeah, mm. I wish I could have seen this. It would have been, you know, darkness swirls around the mountain. Moses climbs up the mountain, and on the you know, darkness is swirling around the peak for six days. And on the seventh day, Moses goes into the darkness, into the cloud, and then disappears for forty days in the cloud. <laughs> that, okay, that, that's some pretty epic stuff right yeah, there, right? That's you know. C.C. DeMille type stuff, right? That's why these mm -hmm. movies were so epic. But then, you know, all the people at the base, they're, they're like, well, where did Moses go? And what do we do? What do we do now? <laughs> I don't know. Let's, 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 let's build let's, some golden calves. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Good idea. You got any gold? Let's make a calf. But, you know, like they must have been absolutely frightened because yeah. here's their leader who's been gone for like 40 days in this like darkness. <laughs> On top of this mountain, and like they, they kind of revert back to the idolatry that uh, was forsaken by mm -hmm. God in, right. in Egypt. Yeah, you mm -hmm. immediately go back to like, what do you know? Like, yep. imagine if you left your parish for a forty-day vacation, come back, and Kim would have you know statues of Mike Schmidt everywhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> or herself, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> or herself, she'd be set up as the new Aaron. <laughs> uh, but then you know, after forty days, and it's always that forty days. You know, Moses comes back down and he's got these tablets and he sees that the, the people have made a golden calf and he gets so mad he smashes these tablets that God had written with his very own finger now things happen yes <laughs> Moses gets a new set God makes him a new set but here's some interesting things so about that whole story one is the Old Testament, you know, we say Ten Commandments. Eh, the Old Testament has a lot more than Ten Commandments. Oh, my goodness, it has yeah. 613 commandments. That is the actual number, 613. In the Torah. In the, in the Old Testament. Mm. Okay? But why are these Ten Commandments more important? Because these are the ones that were written with God's mm -hmm. finger. Mm. The rest are revelations to Moses where he or Aaron wrote them down as a revelation, right? Mm -hmm. But these 10 are written in God's finger. Now, some other interesting things is those first tablets that Moses came down after he came out of the cloud, <clears throat> what did they look like, right? We all imagine, we know what they. you think they look like, you know, kind of flat stones with like the rounded top and everything like that. That's what I got. Don't shatter. Yeah. Don't shatter that. That's not what they would have been like, man. Dang it. Those are, <laughs> those are tablets that are basically what medieval artists used to draw on. So it's a tablet. It's what our tablets look like. If someone told you to draw a tablet, you'd probably draw an iPad, right? Uh, yeah, sure. Right? So, I mean, every artist draws what they conceive of at their own time. But if you look at the nature of the covenant between God and the people, it's very similar to the covenant covenants between God and, I'm sorry, between kings and the people of the old ancient world, like a Hittite treaty, right? Yeah. They say, I am your God. I am your king. I've done all these great things for you. This is what you do in return. I decree. <clears throat> yeah. So burr, it's burr, very burr. much yeah. similar to the treaties that you would have had in the ancient world. This is a treaty between God and his people. Mm -hmm. So these would have been like those treaty stones, like the stelae's and these other things. And Hebrew tradition says they could have been cubes made out of blue lapis lazuli. Mm -hmm. So instead of having these beautiful, these gray you know, traditionally thinking things, they would have been potentially blue cubes of either sapphire or lapis lazuli. Mm. And the sapphire blue, blue? Sapphire blue? Sapphire is blue. And the reason was blue... The Lamborghini? ...is because when God first announces his intention to give commandments, it says that God's feet are on stones that are like the sky. 
and the translation is either sapphire or lapis lazuli. And it remembers, you know, even if you look at the Jewish, like, prayer, I'm um, sorry, the, the tassels, yeah. they're blue, that tekelic blue, which says, you know, God, which is where the, um, mm. you know, with the sky. So probably not neat little tablets that were being smashed, probably, you know, big stones. Hmm. Now, when Moses does get that second pair of, um, of commandments, I love the, the movie, or the Mel Brooks movie. He's, he's walking down, and he's got three tablets. Yeah. He's like, I have 15 commandments. He drops one. He's like, 10 uh, commandments. Ten commandments. <laughs> yeah. But those become the basis of the covenant between God and his people, and they go into the Ark of the Covenant. And they were stored in the Ark of the Covenant all the way Centuries. until the Ark went missing. Yeah. And wherever mm-hmm. the Ark is today, those original tablets that Moses made are still in there. We did mm-hmm. a show on that. We did. Um, yeah, I love I love in Deuteronomy ten where it starts describing the ark that was built and you know how he makes it of this type of wood acacia wood and you know goes back up to the mountain and and put the and then I turned and came down from the mountain put the tables in the ark which I had made and there they are as the Lord commanded me and it's just you know like to to get a sense of you know, Moses walking back up the mountain, entering into this kind of 40-day, I stayed on the mountain its first time, 40 days and 40 nights, and the Lord listened to me that time also. Mm-hmm. And the Lord was unwilling to destroy you because of your obstinance. Like, I just, I, I love, I, I still remember coming through my reversion experience and reading through Exodus and Deuteronomy and and just really reflecting on, you know, what this what this all meant to the children of Israel, mm-hmm. you know, and what this meant to Moses himself, you know, and how he was being formed as a leader of the people, you know, by God. It's just, it's awesome. Arise, go on your journey at the head of the people that they may go in and possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. It's like, this is what, this is what, you know, predicates the very promise of the entrusted land that, you know, that they've journeyed for you know, so many years mumbling and grumbling along the way and just not, you know, being lost and being dismayed and death and, you know. How much more manna can we eat? It's like crazy, crazy journey. And, you know, like we get, we get disgruntled if it's just, you know, we go through a week of desolation, you know, like they went through 40 years of that desolation. And that they kept any faith is astounding. Yeah. You know? And and now, you know, like this, after all of that suffering, they come to this definitive moment where they enter into the promise by way of the law. Yeah. So can you read through the Ten Commandments here? These are what the Ten Commandments are as listed in the Catechism. The first commandment, I am the Lord your God. You shall have not have strange gods before me. Number two, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Number three, remember to keep holy the Lord's day. These first three relate to God. Mm -hmm. The remaining seven relate to how we love one another Mm. and how we should avoid these sins. Honor your father and mother. Five, you shall not kill. Six, you shall not commit adultery. Seven, you shall not steal. Eight, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Nine, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Ten, you shall not covet your neighbor's goods. Hmm. Now, that's the Ten Commandments as Catholics know Mm -hmm. them. But for Protestants, their list is different. 
And that's, I think, a really curious thing. They'll say, wow, the Catholics changed even the Ten Commandments? Those Catholics will change anything to support their pagan beliefs, won't they? And they will typically point to what the Protestants will view as the Second Commandment, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. And they list that as the Second Commandment. And the Third Commandment, thou shalt not take the name, so they pick it up there. So they have a different list. Why is that? Is it just because the Pope wanted to have his statue, so he changed God's own words? No, it's just not. That's not the case, right? And it gets down to the fact that the Ten Commandments are in the Old Testament in two different places. They're not just in the book of Exodus. The whole story is actually repeated um, in Deuteronomy 5 and in Exodus, Exodus 20. So our church, the Catholic Church, and our tradition, most of our exegesis goes back to the church fathers. And when the church fathers were doing their work on the Ten Commandments, they were primarily using Deuteronomy, right, as their source for the Ten Commandments. And that's why our listing of the commandments is different than Protestants. Mm -hmm. But we don't completely get rid of the whole concept of do not make graven images. I mean, if you go to the catechism and you look at the catechism section on the commandments, it's listed in there. I mean, Catholics are bound to believe that. We can't go and make a graven oh, yeah. image of, you know, Zoroaster and worship it. We can't do that. Catholics believe that. Mm -hmm. Now, are we able to make statues? Sure. So was Moses. Moses made cherubs on top of the Ark of the Covenant. He put uh, cherubs on the on the temple, you know, when they built that in, in Jerusalem, you know, um, Solomon did that. So it wasn't an injunction against any graven images, you know, where you get this iconoclastic thing. It was more of a, you shall not worship, you know, stone. That's not a God. I'm your Lord, your God. So that's the reason there's a difference with, with Protestant lists of the Ten Commandments. So I think that's important to note that, you know, Catholics aren't trying to change them to get away with doing their Catholic stuff. It's just... It's in the Bible, It's in the bro. Bible, man. Yeah, Look and, it and up. And it's in, the, it's in the catechism, too, in the official teachings of the church. Yeah. I mean, we believe the same things. Mm -hmm. It's just a different way of dividing them. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, we have... We separate the, cam the commandment, thou shall not cover thy neighbor's wife, and thou shall not cover the neighbor's goods. They combine that into one commandment. But they're very separate things. Like you're mm -hmm. lusting after a person, in, a, in um, yeah. or you or you want their stuff. Very different things. And Scripture doesn't say commandment one, commandment two. There's no direction mm -hmm. on how to divide them. Um, really, dividing them up into ten was an easy way to memorize mm -hmm. them. You know, mm -hmm. they weren't. They're not called the ten words. They're not called the ten commandments in Scripture. They said this is the law that God gave to Moses. So let's get into, I was hoping to get into the Ten Commandments individually and just kind of reflect on each of them. And, and I think know, a way to do that is like, you know, how we typically approach the Sacrament of Reconciliation. The Ten Commandments ought to be in our daily, weekly, monthly practice as Catholics. You know, we encourage going to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. You know, a monthly confession is a good, healthy practice of inventorying one's life, and how you inventory your life is by way of knowing offenses and coming to form your conscience. Mm -hmm. So, Delacrosse, how, how have you kind of formed your conscience in relationship to these Ten Commandments? And, and then maybe we can kind of give a, give a sense of, like, each of these uh, commandments, starting with the first yeah. one. Yeah, there's, uh, you were saying there's uh, another way too, like um, there's a lot of uh, preparations for confession that you uh, go through. 
And they list the commandment, but within the within that commandment, all the many different things that you know you can think of to discern yeah. what you've done in your life. So because it can branch out to all sorts of stuff. It, it, it absolutely does, and like you know, I, I think uh, you know when you're looking at "I am the Lord your God," for example, and this one, which I use from uh, scripture, scripture Catholic. Uh, yeah, I pull that up usually on my phone and then um, put it into my notes and just kind of thinking. Uh, usually there's very long lines, fortunately, of confession in my parish, so I have a lot of time to do that then. Um, one of the things about I'm the Lord your God, you should, should not have strange gods before me that I always revert to is my prayer life because, you know, we have a duty and a responsibility to uh, to go to God in prayer, not not just for... Um, our petitions, but also for the relationship that we have and reading scripture, um, spiritual reading, the rosary. I mean, we're not obliged to pray the rosary, but I look at my life and I say, when when was I too busy to pray? And what did I put before mm-hmm. God? Mm-hmm. And most of the time, it's just it's just laziness or not waking up early or instead of uh, prayer, doing something else. And so, you know, obviously... Um, We've all done this, right? We've all done this. Or, or there's there's certain times where it's like, you know, um, during the week I had planned to go to mass, and then I'm like, eh, I don't want to go, you know. And and so um, so I, I look through uh, that, and and obviously loving him with my whole heart. That's something that we we can always extend to. And what happens is in confession is that we're renewed in that desire, uh, and we're given uh, substantial grace to. Um, to do this, to, mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to do it better uh, and, and to unite myself with God. Other things in here that I think, you know, are important is, you know, receiving communion in the state of mortal sin. I think a lot of people do not realize that not going to Mass is a mortal sin, right? Mm-hmm. This, is a, this is a grave offense to God. And they're like, well, you know, I didn't go last Sunday because I had some guests over. God will understand. I'll go next Sunday. Uh, it's like no, th- that's th- that's that's a mortal sin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This is a very serious offense. Unless you really couldn't make it to church. I mean, I remember calling you one time, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm traveling this night." And you're like, "Ryan, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is really simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you mm-hmm. can get to mass and you're not going, yeah, that's a problem." Yeah. And I was like, "All right, yeah, I'm gonna go do that." Mm-hmm. You know, I was hoping mm-hmm. to get you know somebody to co-sign. Yeah. <laughs> co-sign. <laughs> and, and, and to be fair, it, it was a. Uh, extenuating circumstance. It was just I did not go through all the the steps of that. Um, have I rejected any church teaching? That's a very popular one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what does the church believe that I don't believe? Mm-hmm. Right, and and I don't know the structure of that, but there are certain things that we're obliged to believe, like mm-hmm. um, and the Immaculate Conception, like you know, different, yeah, the tenets of the faith, the tenets of the faith, things like that. It's like that's a good way to look at that. Then the other thing is, is like. Am I really seeking out the teachings of the church and certain things in my life that I find? It's almost difficult? like an invitation. Like it's an invitation, and then it points out apathy. Like you know, perhaps you're being apathetic toward the church teachings, or you're being right. slothful in relationship yeah. to uh, yeah. What the and, church and is saying. Yeah. What What does it teach about you know my my life uh, with my girlfriend? What does it teach? You know, seeking those things out. And and the thing is, is like we always look at this and go. I don't have a girlfriend. I'm just saying. Just like, making sure. Yeah. 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 I was like, yeah. hey, man. You're, you're speaking you, on behalf of like You might not want to say that we on the show. You. We Jen's got you. Might, Jen yeah. doesn't listen, but it might get back to her. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, Jen. You got to step it up. Um, no, but I, I think oh also like pointing, pointing out this, that 
you know, they are they are things that you are you ought not to do, but when you don't do them and you 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 fill your heart with something else, right? So this is this is uh, it, it's don't do this for the purpose of growing closer to mm-hmm, God, mm-hmm. which is how how we were created, which is how we have a, a, a life of beauty, of fulfillment, of meaning, <clears throat> like all these things God wants for us. And so through the Ten Commandments, he's like, well, don't do this, and then you'll be here. It's almost like a bumper, yep. you know, when you're bowling, and it's just like it's not going in the gutter, right? Um, but you're hitting some pins, yeah, and that's fun. <laughs> that's, that's good. So another, another one mm-hmm. I like here is uh, does somebody or something other than God influence my choices, mm-hmm. right? And then what does that mean, right? If I'm influenced, uh, what does that mean? Am I afraid of uh, being rejected? Am I... You know, what are the personal things that I have going on inside of me that cause this influence in my life, right? Things like that. Um, there's many more. Mm-hmm. Something that I always like to evaluate is, I, I believe I came across it with uh, Pope Benedict a while ago, but I use it for this first commandment all the time. And I typically start at the bookends, like coveting. And then you know, the other the other aspect is like, I'm the Lord your God, you should have no other gods before me. And what what he expressed was something along the lines of you will know that for which you worship for that for which you make time like you look at mm-hmm. where you're investing your time like am i making work my god mm-hmm. yep <laughs> you know like i'm definitely putting effectiveness I mean, even you and you mentioned sometimes you you you're working too much you have to step away i know like, for a fact yeah. like i know for and that's why i take it into confession all the time mm-hmm. like i know that the, and it's just the nature of my phone, my computer, people asking me for things, people wanting things, people needing things. And it's the constancy of these things that it's like, you know, I'm, I'm always working. Like Sunday is not, you know, a day where I'm just resting or Saturday, the Shabbat, like Priests I'm not work more than one day a week resting. Yeah. Like it's like, and, and it's, it's <laughs> totally, yeah. The bachelor <laughs> lifestyle of a priest, we just show up on Sunday for one mass and, and that's, that's it. it. The rest of the week you sit around and eat the Lord's <laughs> yeah, chips and like, do nothing. That's not how it is. It's <laughs> not. And, and it's very easy for me to not, you know, um, enter into that rest. It's, it's easy for me to make the, the work, the labor yeah. God. And I know Christ is inviting me into greater intimacy and in the silence and the rest and the retreat in in the time alone with him, in the walking on the on the beach, in the in the time in adoration before the Lord and the Blessed Sacrament. Like I know I'm called to these places. And it's like uh that that's a huge help to me. Yeah. Um, but it could be a huge help to anybody in whatever they're whatever's occupying their clock. Like what are you putting time in? And does it dominate a place within you in your heart and in your mind and you're almost like obsessed with that type of activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a quote in a Mumford and Sons song says, where you invest your love, you mm. invest your life. Mm. Right. So it's like, what, what is it that I find in my mm. life that I love? Yeah. And is it, you know, does it point you to God? Yeah. Or is, is it, it ordering you it to God? It's great. That's great. You know, mm-hmm. and, uh, some other things I think in this one, in the modern world, strange gods before the Lord, your God, people are like, wow, you know, karma, Karma will handle that, or fate, or whatever, or, look, I'm just going to throw this out into the universe. You know, you hear people say that, and you're kind of forgetting God's primacy and God's sole role as the creator and architect of all things. And that's another 
seemingly innocuous thing that you could do that is a grave offense against the first commandment that I think is becoming more and more common in today's world, yeah. even among Christians and good Catholics. That kind of creeps into taking the Lord your God in vain, too. It's mm-hmm. like the, 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 the vainness there is, you know... And that's the second commandment. It, right. The vainness is trusting in something, uh, a concept of... I mean, even if it's done lightly, mm-hmm. you're still spreading that by mm-hmm. saying it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whether you believe it or not, it is. It's 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 taking the Lord's name in vain, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not. It's not giving him the primacy, and reducing him to some sort of concept, some Hindu or whatever mm-hmm. concept. Yeah, yeah good point. Even, even when I'm I'm listening to uh, music where you know the name of the Lord yeah. is used in vain, man, it's like I I shut it off. Or turn to the next uh, to the next song. It's just it it kills me, and it's it's one of the hardest things for me to hear. Is is that mm-hmm. um, whether it's done with a sense of a, a vile kind of uh, aggressive and angry tone, um, but even with the tone of just like you know working it into your your you know base communication. Like, yeah, you're stress. You're trying to stress something. Yeah, and you're. You're saying GD, mm-hmm. gosh darn thing. Yeah. yeah, but it's but but what what you're doing is you're you, you're using God. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you're using him in a way to inflect uh, to mm-hmm. inflect language, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is going to make my position stronger. Yeah, it's like no, that's not how his name's used. His mm-hmm. Name's using it completely. Different and, way. and I love that these first three commandments are related to God, and as we're reflecting how how deep this goes, I mean. The depth of this in your own examination of conscience really starts to elucidate like, wow, yeah, I, I am sinful. Like I am, you know, I, I, I don't revere God's name at the height of my, and I use, I use these words around God's name or I mistreat God's name in, in conversation um, or anything holy for that matter. Yeah. That's due reverence. Um and yeah, then reverence. Yeah, yeah, like to remember that the Lord's day is holy. His name is holy. His his manifestation of himself and all of what is held up to be sacred, you know, um, even in the lineage of the practice of, of Judaism and, and what is due reverence to God, like all of that should be upheld with great sensitivity. Yeah. I mean, even like even going to mass, I mean, this is something I would consider a long time ago because with kids it's a it's a it's a natural distraction a, a good distraction um, you know obviously you want to contain uh work towards containing the children and things like that but you understand that they're children detaining the children detaining okay. yeah i got handcuffs you've been but, moving around too much during this mass <laughs> yeah but it's also like the disposition of why you're going to mass what you're going for bringing your prayers to God, bringing your struggles, your sorrows, your joys, uh, your petitions, like preparing for mass in some way, shape or form to, to be reverent to, you know, the sacrifice of the Holy Mass, the sacrifice of our Lord, the salvation, which was wrought by that. And then yeah. participating in and, that. And what you're describing is this like perfect order to God, right? And and it's like it's drawing us in and and we should be upheld by these laws that help govern that blueprint, that movement. And this is a great segue to hit the other seven commandments as we kind of go through this examination. One last thing that I think is cool about the third commandment or a distinction that we should make here is that in the Catholic list it says, remember to keep holy the Lord's day. Now, if you look at a Protestant list, they'll say, keep holy the Sabbath, Right. 
But I don't see any Protestants out there not working from sun up to sundown and keeping holy the Sabbath, you know, on, as Saturday. As in, on a Saturday. Saturday. You know, you might have some Seventh-day Adventist or whomever does that kind of stuff, but it says keep holy the Lord's Day. And this is one of the things where the church did not abrogate the li- the, 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 the the command to say, well, you know, we keep holy the Sabbath on Saturday. It said, look, in the New Covenant, the Lord's Day is the new Sabbath. It's the new day of creation. That is on Sunday, the eighth day. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important, you know, distinction. And that eighth day is yeah. that day of eternity. It's like where we start to live out the very kingdom yeah. of God in that eternal nature of what the liturgy represents and what we are actually doing yeah. in in worship and in love of neighbor. Yeah, and it wasn't some pope who said, well, well, we're on Sunday. I mean, but there's that pesky commandment we need to change, you know? I mean, these are the first, these are the apostles who gathered together on Sundays, on the Lord days, in okay. scripture, in the mm-hmm. Didache, saying that this is when we worship, and it's become the new Sabbath. And so it's an important distinction. That, really is. No, I think that's, I'm glad that you brought that up. So moving to the seven remaining, this is how we relate with one another. So starting with number four, Delacrosse, honor your father and mother. You know, how do you approach that in your own examination of conscience? And and uh, you live right next to your mother. She's your neighbor. So it's like, love your neighbor is also the sense of like, man, <laughs> I didn't you better think honor your that. mother. Wow, man. Every time you have beef with your mom, <laughs> you're breaking two commandments. Here, mom, put the neighbor hat on. I need to have a talk with you. Yeah, well, I, I, hope hope you long. I hope you don't cover your neighbor's your neighbor's wife, though. I hope we haven't done that. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that would just be wrong. Oh, that's gross. In so many ways. Uh, yeah, I think um, I think a lot of uh, children grow up in homes that you know maybe their parents don't pass the faith along. I, I've certainly been involved with uh, you know teenagers in youth group that uh, you know go to church, receive the faith, are trying to get better. Um, at practicing the faith, go home to homes where it's not being practiced. And sometimes they're being, you know, challenged by Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that they're going to church. And I remember having conversations like, you know, you have to honor your father and your mother, honor the fact that God loves them the same way he loves you. Mm -hmm. Pray for them, you know, that they can come to know the Lord like you. Uh, It doesn't mean you have to obey them if they tell you not to go to church Mm -hmm. or that they don't want to take you to church. Mm -hmm. You can navigate around that. So there is a mm-hmm. delineation there, I think, between, um, you know, obeying certain things and honoring your mother and father. Mm-hmm. Um, that is very important for, especially for young, younger people. Mm-hmm. You should always obey your parents, even if you don't like, you know, the, uh, but if it's intruding on, you know, your relationship with God and that there, there's some, some level of force, mm-hmm. you know, that's being, you know, or they, immorality, or some something that's ob- objectively right. wrong. Objectively wrong. It's okay to 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 you know admonish the sinner, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it needs to be done in love, right? That so often we see kids mm-hmm. run the other way and not confront this mm-hmm. in love. They're just yeah. angry because their parents are something that they and, look up and to. And the pain of disappointment in this uh, uh, yeah. situation too is like where you know maybe you have a father that was absent. Maybe yeah. you have a mother that was yeah. addicted to some form of substance abuse or, yeah. you know, like all, there, are, there are many wounds that we incur in relationship to our parents, but God is calling us to honor. So it's like, yeah. you know, this sense of, of in the spirit of gratitude, in the spirit of, you know, honoring your heritage, honoring the fact that you have the gift of life through them. Mm-hmm. And this is something that is sacred to God. You know, there, there's a, there's a calling here that we violate you know, all the time, you know, yeah. and, and when we think of, you know, how often is it the case where we, we look past 
our parents and we just focus on ourselves or we focus on, um, you know, what I need to do or my impact or my pride or whatever it is. It's like, yeah, we're not honoring where we've come from. Yeah. I think a good thing to look at on that, you know, is this, is look at Jesus, right? Jesus was obviously the perfection of the all perfect humanity. Child. The perfect child. Right. But he still submitted himself He's to the He's just will. like Dane, dad, <laughs> dad. Oh, I bet you Dane was at the temple and his father doing his father's work. <laughs> but Jesus submitted himself to his parents' will because he also submitted himself to God's will, which meant following the commandments. So That's right. he, even though in his perfection, submitted himself to the custodianship mm -hmm. of Mary and yeah. Joseph. And yeah. the same thing goes, and this is a very important thing with our church right now, especially with people on internet and all that, is the same honor is due to the office of the priesthood, to the office of the pope. Mm. To the office um, of the bishop. To the office of the bishop. And, and I mean, Lord have mercy if this would ever happen, but if a bishop told you to do something against uh, church teaching... You know, then you would you would confront them in love, mm -hmm. right? It's this mm -hmm. isn't a war that we're in. This is that's why there is canon law. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Canon law protects that, but mm -hmm. but still, there is a confrontation, mm -hmm. and the confrontation should be dealt with in obviously respect mm -hmm. and charity and, and, and honor of the absolutely. Yeah, this is, absolutely. This is a commandment yeah. about authority. So offenses against authority, whether it's the the rightful legal authorities, whether oh. it's your king, your president, your mayor. Your boss, your parents, this commandment deserves a level of respect exactly. and honor. It's yeah. true. And then moving into five, you shall not kill. Mm -hmm. How do you guys approach that one, Shil? So, this is, I think, what I'd want to bring up about this one is that there's a big distinction, okay, in thou shalt not kill. Now, that's an English translation, but the original sense would have been much closer to thou shalt not murder. Murder. Right? Yep. There's the, the, the Hebrew word harag, killing, and mm -hmm. then there's the Hebrew word, uh, Matzah. And I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but that was I heard murder. a rabbi like describe yeah. this, and yeah, it's so awesome. this is not saying you should not kill. This is not saying that you should not, you know. I mean, if that if the commandment was thou shalt not kill, we'd all be vegan pacifists. And that's obviously oh. not what God is commanding us to Thank be here. So you can kill. You can kill the fatted calf in celebration. You can kill to defend your home. You can kill justly in. A war if you're a soldier. But murder, murder is different. Thou mm -hmm. shall not murder, mm -hmm. which means an unjustified killing mm -hmm. is a murder. Based on passion or based on, yeah. It's yeah, an unjustified. And, and, so when God says, well, God, people say, well, God was a murderer in the Old Testament because he killed the Amalekites. He didn't command the Hebrews to murder the Amalekites. He commanded them to kill them in a war. It happens. God has the authority to do that. It was justified, right? There's a difference between killing and murdering, mm -hmm. and that's justification. Mm -hmm. And that's what this is. Now, obviously, you want to be as gentle as you possibly can be, but there is instances where people do have to kill, mm -hmm. whether it's to yeah. eat or to protect oneself and one's family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, one of the things that this does is it upholds the, the innate dignity of every human yeah. being as being created and loved by God. A lot of uh, killing, I, I've learned through a lot of... Uh, you know, looking at different documents like this is, you know, you have character assassination. How much do we talk about people mm, we don't mm -hmm. like? Uh, calamity or whatever mm -hmm. the, the sin is. Um, you know, you also have like race, color, like prejudices. Know, prejudices. Yeah. And what what you're doing is you're 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 
you're taking them out of their dignity that God had made them and loved them. You're putting them in some sort of like box where the dignity is stripped away and then you're attacking them in a particular way, mm-hmm. right? You're not killing them or mm-hmm. murdering them, mm-hmm. but what you're doing is you're you're basically taking their dignity and then releasing it out and squ- squashing it with words, with, you know, anything. You know, you talk about killing yourself, murdering yourself. It's, you know, drugs, alcohol, anything that mm-hmm. deadens that dignity mm-hmm. that God put mm-hmm. inside of you to the point where you're not able to acknowledge that even mm-hmm. in, even in mm-hmm. a simple way. Yeah. So it goes beyond the sense of murder. It, it, it yeah. extends to the attitude of mind or yeah. social interaction with others. Gossip can at times lead to that form of character assassination yeah. or tearing somebody's dignity down and killing their dignity. So moving from five to six, you shall not commit adultery. How do we approach that sense of what is being said specifically here? Well, you don't let him tell the cross around his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, thanks. That's a good one. I'll right? do a confession there. <laughs> uh, you know, I think this is important because, you know, adultery, you know, in the ancient world, I mean, you had multiple wives, you had all these types of things. And it's this is offenses against marriage and the unity of a man and a woman. So a lot of things can fall under this. You know, you could have the adultery of the heart, the mind, the eye, or the genitals. Mm-hmm. Whatever, you know, I mean, there's yep. a lot of ways to commit adultery. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is about that the purity of love and the purity of the union that God intended for man and woman to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you when you have adulterous, uh, you know, institutions that are just basically promoting adulterous movement, yeah. it, you know, this can include you know, pornography use. This can include being lustful and website. It could could include looking at your neighbor's wife or others. You know, like this is a, this is branches out to really the sins of the flesh in every respect, Mm -hmm. um, the sensual sins Mm -hmm. of of life. Um, And it's important to expand those things because we're called to discipline those and Mm -hmm. and recognize those as as being wrong. Now, one thing I want to say, there's a distinction between the the sixth and the ninth commandment. One is covering your neighbor's wife Mm -hmm. and one is committing adultery. Mm -hmm. Six specifically says commit. Mm -hmm. So these are things that are in action, Mm -hmm. not internal disposition. Mm -hmm. So if I was using this as a way to do an examination of conscience, I I would look at this as things that have actually been committed in deed, maybe not in desire, mm-hmm. right? And that would be a distinction between number six and mm-hmm. number nine. That's a great way to put it. Number seven, you shall not steal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I uh, One of the things that somebody told me is, is you, did you waste time at work? If yeah. you were getting paid by somebody. Yeah. Howard. And... Uh, <laughs> She's sleeping the, right now? Uh, sleeping in the corner, getting paid to do it. <laughs> Uh, wasting time at school. If yeah. you're in school and you're wasting time, mm-hmm. um, idle, idle that that idleness in sort of uh, the dignity of a human person mm-hmm. in relationship to their studies or their work. Uh, it was really interesting. Uh, obviously, stealing from other people. Do I pay my debts? Right. If mm-hmm. I if I owe money to the creditor, um, you know, am I dodging him? And I have that. I have some money in the bank. How many people do you see in business that are just like, hey, we'll just sue this person. Mm-hmm. We'll create this, you know, place where they will have to pay us mm-hmm. this or we'll so you're using some sort of maneuver mm-hmm. uh to extract mm-hmm. something that um that is owed. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was like five years old, I I had a G.I. Joe and it came with a backpack and I lost it. Mm-hmm. So the next time we went to the store, 
me and my brother, we looked around, we found the same one. We opened the pack and took out the backpack. Mm. And I, I was maybe actually I was younger than I was maybe four. Mm. I still remember it. Still remember how terrible I felt about mm. that. To this That's day, what I love hearing First Holy Communion uh, kids. You know, preparing for First <laughs> Holy Communion, they go first reconciliation and. You know, they recall something like That's that. The, I mean, and I still remember that almost 40 years later, the first yep. time I stole one, I still feel bad about Stephen it. Stephen Fisher, yep. I'm sorry I didn't bring you that G.I. Joe, buddy. I, it, it was a long time ago, but yeah, I lied to you. I didn't <laughs> this is it. This is the perfect it. example it was a of examination of yeah. conscience. G.I. Joe was the near occasion of sins. Uh, right, dude. It was dude, like it was crack crack the kid. Hasbro, bro. Oh. You're seeing this examination in the flesh <laughs> and the, <laughs> and the Ten Commandments being violated. What about sharing what you have with the poor? That's another one to yeah. consider am i am i am i saying that this person needs to get a job am i giving to jesus or am i looking at the state of somebody's life and that, and that comes down to tithing too yeah. like you know oh, what god is providing you there is there is a disposition of giving to the church a yeah. giving to and making that offering. You objectify yourself as the producer yeah. of what it is. As and opposed all the to what God is doing. Is God's giving you these gifts, yeah. and he's, he's asked you to use them mm -hmm. for good. Yeah, yeah. St. Ambrose said, if you have two coats in your closet, the second one is stolen from the poor. Mm. Wow, that's powerful. That is very, very powerful. Moving to number eight, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Do you hear what Howard did? Oh, I, did. <laughs> I did. Ryan was telling me before. Yeah. That's, that's some dirty business, man. What a dirty dog yeah. that Howard is. I hear he was actually taking side money from Vanda Camps. <laughs> uh, but this this happens, you know, uh, in every respect as as there's gossip, as there's defamation, there's, you know, all of these things where, you know, even down to the white lies of, of you know, where we where we try to innocently kind of skirt around. Fish stories. You know, the truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, and then just bold-faced lies, you know, not wanting to open up the truth to, uh, you know, remain hidden in, in respect to those lies. There's something I heard recently, and it was the distinction between lying about your neighbor and then the sin of detraction. And detraction, I think, is something people do a lot, mm -hmm. and they never consider. And what is detraction? Shade. It's throwing shade. And <laughs> you're talking about true things about somebody else. You're not lying. You're talking the truth but for no other reason than to diminish the person you're talking about. Yeah. Like, yeah, man, I hear Howard does this, and, he, you know, it's not that great, you know. And all you're doing, you're not helping him, you're not lying, but you're diminishing his view in the eyes of another person. Yeah, And that's, a, that's something that I think more people commit than they care to um, admit to themselves. Mm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Because not a lot of people say, well, you know, Howard kicks puppies and hates old people. You know, he doesn't. No one's lying in that fashion typically, but they will say, yeah, man, Howard spends, you know. A lot of time with his puppies. Spends a lot of time with his puppies when he <laughs> should be working. He's getting paid for it. I don't know. Like, you, uh, you know, you, you're detracting from that person, and it's the same thing, you know? He just bought a big gold necklace, said he but, was poor the last He week. said he's poor, didn't have my money, but look at that gold necklace. Look at all that beard oil he got. Right? So I think detraction is looking real oily. Detraction is something I think you'd look at more. It on is. This. Yeah, oh, yeah. Definitely. Number nine, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. And number 10, you shall not covet your neighbor's goods. Yeah. This is where that spirit of disposition that you were mm -hmm. talking about before begins to present. You know, this is the internal battle. Like, are you entertaining thoughts? Mm -hmm. Are you entertaining them in an extended way? Are you entertaining them on a daily basis? You begin to, 
you know, meditate even mm -hmm. on yeah. these things that I do not have. I do not have a wife like that. I do I not wish have. I, had. I wish I, I had. Yeah, I, I wish I was taller. I wish I was a little, little bit, bit taller. I wish I was a baller. <laughs> if I had a girl, I'd call her. Right? Yeah. Wanna be a baller? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but coveting your neighbor's goods, homemade. Gosh, our modern world is. It's, uh, it's is mechanized and weaponized yeah. against us to make us cover our covet yeah, our neighbor's yeah. goods without a doubt. You know, I always thought coveting, like when I was a kid, coveting your neighbor's goods. That's kind of a weak commandment. But I mean, that one just no wonder it's number ten. It kind of got snuck in there as you know the least important. But now I look at life and I'm like, man, that is pretty much the driving factor between everything we see going on in our world. They just want everybody else's stuff. Yep, and yeah. and then you have a social media platform that absolutely. Is built upon that Look reality. How pretty yeah. I am. Look at mm -hmm. what I ate. And a lot yep. of it is just it's insidious too. You know, it's mm. it's it's seemingly coming from a good thing, but in yep. reality, they're just looking to see who's yep. listening. I'm gonna post this to feed my pride, yeah. and then for the viewer, I'm going to like this to feed my lust, yeah, or or my desire for a good. You know, but then I mean, even look at the way that we treat the resources that we have on this earth, right? I mean, America has so much and so many other countries have so little. Okay, well, we're probably guilty of kind of hoarding materials. Yeah. And we that's a sin against coveting our neighbor's goods because we don't want anyone else to have anything, yeah. right? But then you also look at socialist countries where like, we don't want anyone to be rich. And you're coveting what they have. Yeah. You know, I think socialism is the political party of covetousness, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or communism. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways that you can sin against this. But in our modern world, man, it's so hard to be detached from the 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 being sick with wanting. Yeah, you know, you know like we one of the resources you're talking <clears throat> about and the resources that God gives is the greatest luxury, time. You know, and how we spend our time and how we enter more deeply into a proper orientation of living our lives well. And the, the Ten Commandments help us to live our lives well. We could see that. And it could help us realize, hey, I did something wrong. I need to do something about that. And, you know, the resource of time that you spend with the Catholic Talk Show each and every week is a resource that we're grateful for. We're grateful to our patrons that support us financially, and we thank you for your help. If you want to be a financial contributor to the show, be sure to check out catholictalkshow.com forward slash Patreon. There you could support the show so that as we continue to provide this content, it could bless people's time so that it could be ordered more deeply into the teachings of the church and sharing more beautifully our faith. You know, another way that you could spend time is with our partner, Hallow. They have an incredible mm. app. It's the number one Catholic app store in the world. One billion plus prayers and growing on a daily basis. You know, the time that you could spend on this app exploring the extensive library of Catholic content throughout the ages. They've taken the legacy of the faith for over 2,000 years, and they've packaged it into a very attractive platform. And there's Lexio Divina. There's amazing content from Jonathan Rumi and Mark Wahlberg, Jim Caviezel, these phenomenal Barron, Bishop yeah. Barron. You know, there's Catechism in a Year, Bible in a Year with Father Mike Schmitz. There's all sorts of materials out there, praying the rosary, but even examinations of conscience yeah. to help you learn these Ten Commandments, making them a part of your life and entering more deeply into the life of love of God and love of neighbor. Yep. And then one last thing I want to mention is that we are going on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land this January 10th through the 20th of 2024. Uh, we're going to be going to all the great holy sites. We're going to be going to Nazareth. We're going to be uh, going to Bethlehem and go to the Church of the Nativity. We're going to go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. We're going to be doing the Via Della Rosa. We're going to the 
the, the Dead Sea and the Jordan River. We're going to Mount Nebo where Moses died, uh, where he saw the Holy Land but was not allowed to cross over. We're going to all these places and we're doing it on a pilgrimage with Select International, one of the most professional and well-run pilgrimage companies out there. I've been, on, I've been mm. you know, leading pilgrimages for the past 20 years with Father Tetlow and by far Select International takes the cake. Yep. I mean, they are a phenomenal organization. They have the top-notch tour guides and everything runs seamlessly and they have people when things kind of go astray and they need to, they need to address something, they're right on top yep. of it. I mean, it's they're great organizations. There's, and there's even an optional optional extension. So we're going to leave from Jerusalem and go into Jordan. We're going to see Petra. We're going to go out into the desert, all kinds of cool things. So if you're interested in that, and this will sell out, go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash holy land, and you can learn more about this and how to register for it. And let's go on a journey of pilgrimage ourselves, just like the children of Israel through the Red Sea, entering into the promised land, entering more deeply into our faith each and every week is an absolute joy. And, you know, teacher, which commandment is the in the law is the greatest? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Summarizing it, Jesus, the fulfillment of the law, as we continue to grow in our faith in Jesus Christ, let us uphold one another in love and patience and the virtues and being sure to examine our conscience on a regular basis and continue to grow in the ways that Christ calls us. God bless you all, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.